You're listening to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY Podcast on Apple Podcasts. We hope that this message encourages you in your walk to love and follow Jesus. Thank you for listening. We're beginning a new series of uh, messages called Burning Questions, and we're going to talk about some questions that people have about faith and about God. Real quickly, uh, a show of hands, how many of you have ever been frustrated because you got a lame answer or uh, uh, an incomplete answer or maybe it? an altogether wrong answer to an important question that you had. All right, so most of us, all right, maybe is when you called customer service and you, you got put on an automated uh, voice, one of those automated voice machines, and you've got a specific question, and all of their answers that they have, you know, press one for this and press two for that, and none of them fit the question that you have. We've had that experience before, right? About two or three weeks ago, I was on the phone company with, uh, or on the phone with our cable company. And I had a, a very specific question, what I thought was a very straightforward question, and so I was looking for a very specific answer. And I was actually talking to a person. I didn't get on the automated uh, line, but I was talking to a real person. But I could hear they were in a call center. You could definitely tell they were in because I could hear all of the conversations that were going on in the background, and I could hear other people asking questions. And so, you know, and, the, and they were giving me the, the answer like, you know, did, well, did you unplug it? Did you, did you turn it off? Did you turn it back on? I was like, yes. And if you ask me that again, like, I'm going to come through the phone because it's like, I just want this answer to this one question. It's a very simple question, and I, and I need a very specific answer. And the answers that this technician kept giving me, they just were not the right answers. And so I got frustrated with them. And finally, just out of frustration, I tried as politely as possible to say, can I speak to your supervisor? And maybe they can answer my question. And so he did put me through to his supervisor, and I finally got my question answered. But it was just a very frustrating process. And so this morning, we're starting a new series called Burning Questions. And specifically, we're going to be looking at questions that people have about God and that they have about faith. And here's what I'm certain of, is that everyone at some point in their life has a question about God or about faith. Everybody at some point or another in their life has a question about faith in God. And even people that claim that they don't believe in God, that they don't have any faith, at some point in their lives, they have questions about God. And maybe the reason that they claim that they don't have faith or that they don't believe in God is because somewhere along the way, they got a lame answer or an incomplete answer or maybe even an altogether incorrect answer to their question about God and about faith. And that's frustrating and it's a problem because as much as it is frustrating, here's what it also leads to. Lame answers lead to a lame faith. Lame answers lead to a lame faith and even more than that, wrong answers lead to a weak faith. Maybe that's why some, some of the people that you know, uh, they've walked away from faith because they got a lame answer. They got an incomplete or an incorrect answer to the question that they were asking. Maybe even yourself, maybe you seem to find that your faith is not as resilient as you want it to be. The answers to the questions that you have about God and about faith, they just don't seem to stand the test of life. And I don't know if you identify with, with either of, of those statements, but chances are at some point someone gave you a lame answer or a wrong answer about God. And all of those answers that you have, they're getting in the way. They're getting in the way of, of you maybe coming, coming to faith. For maybe some of your friends, they're getting in the way of them coming back to faith. 
They've walked away from faith because they got a lame answer, and, and so their answers that they're holding on to are getting in the way. Maybe for you, it's they're, they're, you're, the answers that you're working with, they're getting in the way of you going deeper in your faith, for you having a stronger relationship with God. So in this series that we're going to be doing for the next three weeks, we want to get past some of those lame and wrong answers and find that there are some much more compelling answers to the questions that we have about God. So, well, I'm really excited for, for this series that, that as we get started. One of the fun things about parenting is, is that when your kids get to that age where you can start to see what they think about when they think about you, um, usually it comes you know, around the kindergarten, first grade you know, area, time of life, and so you, you kind of catch a glimpse of what it is that they think about, and, and you're worried about that because especially when you go out in public, you're worried that they're going to say something to somebody who, who maybe doesn't know you. And so, you know, like your, your kid has seen you drinking a, a Coke or a Diet Coke, and so somebody asks your kid, hey, well, what does your dad do? And he says, well, daddy drinks. You know, that's kind of, you know, they, that's what they start to think about when they think about you. And, and you start to catch a glimpse of that, or, you know, they draw a picture at kindergarten, and, and they turn it into their teacher, and then when they bring it home, you're like, oh, I've got to call the teacher and explain this picture. All right? Like, that's kind of the... The, the idea that we're going for here. Let me give you a, a real-life example of this. When I was in the first grade, I had a note sent home with me on the very first day of school from my first-grade teacher, Miss Walker. Miss Walker gave me a note, said, Adam, you need to give this to your mom. And so I gave my mom the note, and it was addressed to her. It said, Mrs. Hale, you should be careful what you say in front of Adam because he might repeat what you say. My mom wasn't thrilled about this note, obviously, and she began to ask me, Adam, what, what did you say? Well, here's kind of what you need to know about this story. Is that my sister, who's five years older than I am, had Miss Walker for first grade, and, and they didn't really get along real well. They, my sister really struggled in her class, and I know that's tough uh, for some of you to believe, but I, I got, that I got the looks and the brains in my family. But <laughs> some of you all feel really bad for my sister right now. But my, my sister really just didn't get along with, with my first grade teacher, with our first grade teacher. And so when my mom found out that summer that we were going to have the same teacher, I was going to have Miss Walker as my first grade teacher, she began prepping me for that first day of school. Really, she was coaching me on how to suck up to her to get on her good side. And she said, you know, you need to be really nice to her. You need to say nice things to her. Give her some compliments. And so that's what I did. And when... I gave my mom this note. She said, well, what did you, what did you say, Adam? And I said, well, I did exactly what you told me to do. I gave her a compliment. She said, well, what did you compliment her on? And I said, Miss Walker, you're not nearly as mean as my mom said you were. <laughs> and on that day, Miss Walker got a glimpse into what I thought about when I thought about her. More specifically, she got a glimpse into what my mom thought about when, I thought, when she thought about her. But what you think about, when you think about different things, will determine how you feel about those things. For example, trampolines. Everybody loves trampolines, right? You, you can get on them, they're, they're fun, you can bounce around. Except for that one person that has bounced off the trampoline and busted their head open, right? They don't feel that way. They don't think that way about them. In fact, when they see a trampoline, they're always like, no, you can't get on the trampoline. If you get on the trampoline, you'll die. That's just kind of what they think. Or, or anyone ever gotten sick after eating at one of your favorite restaurants, 
Like you, you went there to eat and you were already feeling bad, so you know it wasn't the restaurant's fault. And when you got home, things just went from bad to worse. And now when somebody says, hey, let's go grab some lunch at this place, you're just like, mm, mm, no. And it, it's, it's no bueno on that, right? Like you just can't do it because of what you think about when you think about that place. What you think about when you think about something determines how you feel about it. And it's true of, of people as well. What you think about when you think about someone will determine your relationship with them. It will. When, when, when you think about your mother-in-law, what do you think about? You think about, you know, the definition of mixed emotions is watching your mother-in-law drive your brand new Cadillac off a cliff. That's the definition of mixed emotions. Some of you will get that in a little while. Some of you mother-in-laws don't think that's very funny. But, but what you think about, when you think about someone, determines your relationship with them. So here's what I want to ask you this morning. What do you think about when you think about God? What, what, is, what is it that you think about when you think about God? What, what is the image that comes to mind when you think about God? Because the image that comes to mind when you think about God will determine your relationship with God. It will determine your experience with God. It will determine how you feel about God. So what image is it? When you got up this morning and you were preparing to come to church, what was it that was going through your mind when you were thinking about coming to church? When you came in this morning and you sat down and we started singing about God, what was the image that came to mind when you began to think about God? What do you think about when you think about God? For some of us, maybe this is the image that comes to mind when we think about God. Maybe. Yeah, that's the image. That's what some of us think about when we think about God. We think about God as a referee. He's just up in the sky. He's got all the rules, and he's just chucking penalty flags at us every time we mess up, right? When, when we were little, we, we might have thought that of God, instead of throwing penalty flags, he was throwing lightning bolts, and he was just going to zap us every time we messed up, right? And then we grew up and realized it was just taxes and traffic that he was throwing at us. But that's what some people think about when they think about God. They think of God as a referee. Maybe this is the one that you think about when you think about God. Yeah, it's an Alexa. And you're not really sure how it works, but you know that you can ask it a question and it'll give you the answer. It'll do whatever you want it to do. And so that's just what you think about when you think about God, that He'll do whatever you want Him to do. And so God is something to be bargained with and negotiated with so that He'll do what you want Him to do. Maybe this is the image that comes to mind when we think about God. Ah, it's a sweet, nice old man, right? But he's old. He's nice and he's sweet, but he's old. What do old men do a lot? They fall asleep, right? So they, 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 they sleep all the time. So this is, this is the God that's maybe disconnected from us. Uh, he wakes up when we come into church on Sunday morning and, and he sees us, but the rest of the week he's just kind of snoozing away. So he's not really interested or involved in your day-to-day life. Maybe this is the image that comes to mind when you think about God. Yeah, God's just a cloud up in the sky. He's just a cloud floating up there, and we can't really know anything about Him. We can't really get to uh, see anything other than just that's He's a cloud, and he'll, he'll move on, and He'll dissipate, and then another cloud will come along. And, and that's what we think about when we think about God, that we can't really get to know God because He's just so far away. Or maybe this one, this is the last one, maybe this is what we think about when we think about God, that it's just some sort of fantasy land. And we're not really even sure if if God is in the realm of reality or if He's in the realm of fantasy. And I'm having a little bit of fun with these, but I, but I want you to know I'm not making fun of these because these are all legitimate things that, that people think about when they think about God. 
And maybe you found yourself nodding uh, to one of those. That, you know, one of those was the image that you think about when you think about God. And you go, yeah, that, yeah, that's what I think. Or, or that's what I used to think when I thought about God. So, so it kind of begs the question, which is it? Which one is the right image? What should we think about when we think about God? Is it any of those images? Is that what comes to mind? Because what you think about when you think about God will determine everything. How you feel about Him, how you experience Him, your relationship with Him. If you think of God like a referee, what kind of relationship do you think you'll have with Him? And I get it, I, I'm a referee and nobody likes referees, right? We're always, we're the perennial bad guys. Uh, we are the Pharisees of the sports world. I get it. So if that's how you think about God, then your relationship with Him is probably one that's just all about the rules. Or if you think of God as an Alexa, it's probably a pretty shallow relationship, right? Or if God is, is an old man or something in the sky, it's probably a very disconnected relationship. What you think about when you think about God determines everything. And I think this explains so much for us because we've all been at church at some point and, and we walked in and we saw people singing about God or we saw someone talking about God or we saw someone praying to God and, and you looked around at, at everybody else and and you felt something much different than what they were feeling. And you, and you thought, and maybe not in this, these words, not in this phrase, but you thought, what they think about God when, when they think about Him is much different than what I think about because I'm not connecting with any of this. I'm feeling much differently than how everybody else is, and I don't have any idea why. And what if that's all because what you think about when you think about God is wrong? What if the reason that you don't really like God, although we'd never say that, at least out loud anyway, what if the reason that you don't like God or, or you think God doesn't like you or that God is too uninvolved or that God is too distant is because what you think about when you think about God is wrong or at least incomplete? I think that it's possible. And I would even say probable. And I also say that from personal experience. Which is why this morning, in the time that we have left, I want to look at this question, and I think it's maybe the most important question asked about God, and it's probably the, the most often, the most frequent question asked about God. And here's the question. This is it. Who is God? That's the question. Who is God? Maybe another way that you, you could phrase that question is, what should I think about when I think about God? What image should come to mind when I think about God? Who is God? And that's a really good question. And chances are you've asked that question before. And chances are you've gotten a lame answer or an incomplete answer or maybe even worse, an altogether wrong answer to that question. And here's how you know if you've gotten a bad answer to that question. Here's how you know if you've gotten a lame or an incomplete or an altogether wrong answer to that question of who is God. If you think God is less than who you hoped He would be, then you probably got a bad answer to that question. If you think God is less than who you hoped He would be, you probably got a bad answer to that question. Or if you think that God is uninterested in what goes on in your life, if you think that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't like you, then, then somewhere in your life, somewhere along the way, you probably got a bad answer to this question, who is God? But here's the really cool part for all of us is that God reveals to us who He is. He doesn't just say, all right, Adam, you've got to figure this out on your own. You want to get to know me, you've got to figure it out on your own. Good luck with that. 
He doesn't do that. In fact, God reveals himself from the very beginning of the Bible. You can pick up your Bible and open up just to the, the first page. And you can start to see that God is revealing pieces of himself to us. We, we open it up and the very first words, in the beginning, God created. Right? That's the first words of the Bible, right? God created. So we immediately know that God is a creator. And then a couple chapters later, we see him hanging out with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. So we know that God's a personable God. And then a little later, we see that he's the ruler of a nation of Israel. And so we say, okay, God is a king. God is a ruler. And then a little later in the Old Testament, they established the temple. And he's got this, this temple thing going on. So we say, okay, God is a holy God. That, those are all parts of who God is. And then a little bit later in the story or in history, God says, okay, I'm going to show you fully who I am. And Jesus is born. And Jesus begins to, to come on the scene and he begins to say things like, if you've seen me, you've seen God. And if you're paying attention to me, then I'll show you exactly who God is. And at the beginning of, of his ministry, Jesus steps into this conversation of who God is. Is he a referee? Is he an Alexa? Is he a cloud? Is he a fantasy? Is he an old man? And Jesus does this sort of unveiling of who God is. And so here's the context of what we're, the verse we're going to look at this morning. It's in Matthew chapter 6. So if you want, you got a Bible, you want to flip over there, go ahead. But here's, here's the context of this. Jesus is with his 12 disciples. He's got his guys that are his inner circle, and they've been watching him. They've been watching him pray, and they've been watching him teach. And they've just been watching him, how he does life. And they're having sort of the same experience that we sometimes have when we come into church. They're going, I don't know what it is that he thinks about when he thinks about God, but it's not the same thing that I think about. Because he is much more connected to God than I am. I am not having that same experience. And so they go to, they go to Jesus and they're just like, Jesus, can you, can you teach us? Can you teach us how to pray? Can you teach us how to approach God? Can you teach us what it is that we should think about when we think about God? And so, so Jesus gives them some, some principles about prayer. He teaches them some principles about prayer. And then he says this. He says, this then is how you should pray. This, then, is how you should pray. And those are big words. Those are, those are huge words. This, then, is how you should pray. This, then, is how you should approach God. This, then, is what you should think when you think about God. And then the next two words that Jesus says, they were so powerful and they were so memorable. And many of you already know what those next two words were because you know the prayer. You've heard the prayer. You, you memorized the prayer as a kid. You learned it. The next two words, in fact, you go ahead and say them with me. He said, this then is how you should pray our Father. This is so huge. This is, this is so big. Jesus could have used any word in any language to, to any concept to describe who God is. And he says, I want to give you the very word, the, the, the word that will give you the best idea of who God is and who God wants to be in your life. And he says, it's our Father. This was so groundbreaking. This was earth-shattering for the disciples and the people of that age. Because in, in that culture, in, in Jesus' culture, you would have never thought of God to, to call Him Father. You would have never thought that about Him. In His culture, you couldn't draw close to God in the temple. You, you couldn't even say His name in the temple. And Jesus comes along and says, that's all over with. This, it's a new day. It's a new dawn. It's a new era. This is who God is. This is what you should think about when you think about God. This is the image that should come to mind. He is our Father. And then Jesus started using that word all the time. He would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He would say, I do as my Father does. I'm going to my Father's house to prepare a place for you. Father, forgive them. 
He would use that, that idea of a father so much that the Apostle Paul would come along behind him, one of his closest followers. He would come along later and, and in his letter to the Galatians, in Galatians 4, 6, he would write this. He would say, because you are his sons, and we can say because you're his sons and daughters, because you're his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And the spirit who calls out, the spirit who calls out of our hearts says this, Abba, Father. The word Abba. Does anybody know what that word means? Father, yeah, we're not talking about the band here. The word Abba, it means, it means, it's a word that means daddy. And it's not like, well, hello, father. It's not that very prim and proper formal greeting of father. It's more like when, when your kids are, you, you've been gone to work for a long day and your kids are little and you, they, they hear the front door opening as you're coming in and they run up to you and they go, daddy, that's the image that Paul is trying to convey here. This is daddy. And that's why I love this moment so much. Because Jesus steps into my confusion and our collective confusion about who God is. And he says, let me tell you exactly who he is. He is our father. He's Abba. Daddy. What do you think about when you think about God? And what if, what if that was it? What if that's what you thought about when you thought about God? What if you experienced God as a father, as a dad? Wouldn't that change everything for you? Uh, for, for some of you, you're thinking, yeah, that would, be, that would be a game changer for me if I knew that God loved me as a dad loves me, that he wants to protect me as a, as a dad protects me. He wants to provide for me as a dad provides for me. That would change everything about the way that I think about God. And for some of you, you're probably thinking, one of two other things if you're not thinking that you know this would be a game changer for you if you're not thinking about that this would be great that God wants to love me as, as a father then you're thinking probably one of two other things and the first one is this it's just that you're a little underwhelmed by this truth you say well I've, I've heard it before I, I, I know the prayer I memorized the prayer as a kid I, I know this I've heard this before and this just honestly, I was hoping for something better. I was expecting something a little more uh, climactic here. Can I humbly, and, and I do mean humbly, suggest that if that's your reaction, that if you're underwhelmed by this truth that God wants to love you as a father, that, that you don't get it, that, that you're missing it, that maybe, maybe intellectually you get it, that, that God wants to be your father, but, but you're still relating to God as, as a referee or, or as an Alexa or something, something else. You, you haven't quite connected the dots because once you do, this is not an underwhelming truth. This is an overwhelming truth. This is a game-changing truth for us that God wants to love you as a father. And then there's a second group of people. And if you're not feeling one of those two ways, you're probably feeling this way. You hear this truth that God wants to be your father, and your thought is, that sounds terrible. That is horrifying to think that God wants to be my father. And you think that because you think about your dad, and your dad left, or your dad is just a jerk, or your dad never told you that he loved you, or, or that he was proud of you, and, and maybe you just don't even know your dad. And that's heartbreaking. That is, that's absolutely heartbreaking. So let me encourage you, just with this, that when Jesus said God is your Father, that God wants to be your Heavenly Father, He wasn't thinking about your Father. He was thinking about the perfect Father. 
Maybe the one that you wish you'd had. Maybe the one that you've been dreaming of. But whatever group that you find yourself in, I want to remind you real quickly of a few things that this truth that God wants to be a father to you means for us. There are a couple of things that this means for all of us. And the first one is this. It means that he loves you. God loves you. The Apostle John would, would say, how great is the love that the Father has lavished upon us. King David would say, God's love is so great that it's better than life. He loves you. I don't know how, how better to say that, that, that God loves you. And for some of you, you hear that and you go, well, I hear you saying that, Adam, Adam God loves me, but. Because there's always a but, right? I hear you saying this, Adam, God loves me, but. But you don't know what I've done. You don't know about my past. You don't know about all the, all the sins and the secrets that I'm hiding. You don't know about all those things. So how could God love me? And I just want to tell you that, that, that God loves you. That might be how referee God works, that he holds those things against you, but that's not how God the Father works. That might be how Alexa God works, but that's not how God the Father works. God loves you. Secondly, it means this. It means that he is with you. God is with you. Maybe, maybe someone has left you when, when you thought that they never would, and, and I think that we all experience that at some point in our lives. And maybe you're afraid that God is going to do the same thing, you know, that God's going to leave you. I mean, just listen to the way that we pray sometimes. We, we all kind of have this thought at some point, because we always pray, what do we always pray? God be with me. God be with us. Be with them. As if God is just somehow going to disappear, that he's a cloud that's just going to vanquish in the sky. No, God is always with us. And listen to me on that. that. That might be how old man God works who, who just falls asleep and forgets about you and disconnects from you and he's not with you, but that's not how Father God works. He is with you. Father God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And not only does God say that he won't leave us, we're told that we can't escape him either. King David says, if I go to the highest mountains, God says, I'll be there with you. You, you make your bed in the lowest depths and I'll be there with you. If you want to run away to the far side of the sea, if that's where you want to escape to, God says, I'll be right there with you. A little later in the Psalms, David would say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. God never leaves you. He is with you. And let me finish up with this last one. God as your Father means that He is for you. He loves you, He is with you, and He is for you. God says, I will, God, God is for you. And this is, this is a tough one because at some point, for some of you in, in, in your life, somebody convinced you somewhere along the way that God wasn't for you. And you believed them. And you believed them because, because people can be against you for, for the dumbest of reasons. Doesn't take anything for anybody to be against you. And so you believe them. You believe that God wasn't for you. You've been thinking this whole time that God isn't for you. And if someone has ever offered that to you, if someone has ever told you that, they've suggested that to you, can I suggest that they don't know God the Father either? That they've missed out on it? That they're not getting it? The Apostle Paul says that, that God looks at you and sees a masterpiece. You are, you are His masterpiece created through Christ Jesus for good works that He's already thinking about. God is so for you that He's already thinking about the plans that He has made for you. And I'm just telling you, if you could see yourself for just a moment, if you could catch a glimpse for, for just the tiniest moment and see yourself the way that God sees you, 
to see what God sees when He looks at you, to see who God sees you becoming and, and where He sees you going and what He sees you doing and, and the relationships that He sees you having and the legacies that He sees you leaving. I'm telling you, it would change everything. If you could just see the way that God sees when He sees you, it would change everything for you because God is for you. And we need to know that, that God is for us. And it's even better than that. I don't know that it could get much better, but it does. Because God isn't just for you. He's coming for you. He's already came once in, in the form of a baby that would become a sinless man. And He would take all of our sin and all of our shame to the cross. But He's coming again for you. And this time, it won't be as a baby. It will be as a father coming to take His children home. So what do you think about when you think about God? What is the image that comes to mind when you think about God? Do you want to trade it? Do you want to trade whatever image is that you have in your mind when you think about God? Do you want to trade that for an image of a father? Because you can. You can. A father who, who loves you, who is with you, who is for you. You can trade in that image. And this can be what you think about when you think about God. So who is God? I think the most compelling answer that we can give to that question is He is your heavenly Father. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you. And just even as we say that prayer, Father God, we love you. Thank you for loving us as a Father. Thank you for providing for us and protecting us and, and just doing everything that you could to love us as a dad loves his children. Father, for those of us who, who have maybe struggled with this idea of, of you as our father, would you just allow us to lean in just a, a little bit to hear the comforting words, the reassuring words of a father that says, I love you, I am with you, I am for you. And for those of us who, who maybe have known this for a long time, would, would you just reassure us each day that you love us, that you're with us, that you're for us, that you want the best for us, that you want what a father wants for his children? And so would we just embrace this truth that ultimately who you are is a good, good father. One that loves us, who's with us, and is for us. And if there's someone here that doesn't know you as father, would you just press upon their hearts for them to come to know that today? That they would know you, not as a referee, not as an Alexa, not as a cloud or an old man, but that they would know you as father. Abba, as Daddy. Thank you for loving us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.